Hey, welcome back. You're on air with Ella. I'm about to introduce to you a gut health practitioner by the name of Alicia Coleman. We will get to that interview in just a moment. Before we do, I wanted to remind you of something, and I know you really need reminding of this fact. I am not a doctor. That's right. We are talking about gut health today, and I am not actually a doctor. I am simply the owner of a gut, and Alicia is a gut health practitioner, but neither of us have MD anywhere in our name or certification. So you need to know that because we are sharing our experiences. Alicia is sharing her expertise, and neither of us is your doctor. So please don't confuse us with health advice. Listen, get curious, do some digging, see what this inspires in you. And as always, I am here to start a conversation. I am here to ask questions that we might want to ask about where we are and where we're trying to go and what tools might be available to us. And I am not here to pretend that what works for me works for you. So listen, get curious, and let me know what questions this episode raises for you. We talk about everything from why probiotics aren't the panacea that we might think that they are, what are some really simple tips to work toward gut health, and what are some super, super simple, accessible ways to start pursuing true gut health that we can start doing today and for free. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today I'm joined by Alicia Coleman. Alicia, where are you? I live in Truckee, which is by Lake Tahoe, California. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, welcome to On Air with Ella. I am so glad you're here. We're talking about one of my favorite topics in the world. It will never get old. We are talking about gut health today. Alicia, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Will you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Yeah. Like I said, my name is Alicia Coleman and I am a gut health practitioner. What I specialize is in helping women get to the root cause of their symptoms. I help them uncover what's been going on in their body. And generally I'm working with people who have been burned or dismissed by conventional approaches. You know, they've been from doctor to doctor, diet to diet. They've done it all. They've done the lab tests, the protocols, and they're just not able to figure out what's going on. And a lot of them feel broken you know, that is so very much my story. And that's why, you know, I work with, with people like that and help them get to the root cause of it. And in that research, in figuring out my own body, what I discovered is that the gut is really the mother of the body and the starting place for helping your body naturally repair itself. And so there's obviously more to that, but like when you're just like, what comes first, where do I start? You know, the chicken or the egg, it, it all comes back to the gut. The gut is obviously just such a critical component to overall health. And we know, and people who have been on this journey with me know that so much of your immune system is housed in the gut. There is a brain-gut connection. For me, there is very clearly a mood-gut connection, like only 24 hours a day. <laughs> right? Just a little bit. Just a little bit, just a <laughs> tiny bit. And my social life is tied to my gut. I mean, I know people can relate to it's like, can I go? I don't know. Let's see how my gut is feeling. We'll check in. There is so much about our health and our wellness tied to the gut. 
And those of you who have been on this journey with me over the past 200 and something episodes know that I have been all over the map. So I am definitely a part of that target market, Alicia, and so many of our listeners are. So super excited to have this conversation. It has been quite literally years since we have talked about gut health on the program. So I'm super pumped. Tell me something. Can you share a little bit? I touched on it, but can you share um, a more sort of fact-based reason why you consider the gut as the mother of the body? Well, when you, when you look at it, the gut is really connected to every other system in the body, right? It's in charge of so much more than just, just digestion. You know, if you have IBS or gassing or bloating or constipation, you automatically think the gut, right? But what we don't always correlate to the gut is that our skin is connected to it. You know, it's a, it's a reflection of what's happening on the inside that your brain is connected to your gut, your hormones, um, your immune system, like you were saying, you know, like 80, 75, 80% of your immune system is located in your your gut. And that has a major impact on all the rest of the functions in your body, right? So it's so in charge of so much more of just like chewing, digesting and eliminating waste. It's actually a really big part in regulating those hormones. It's actually a really big part in how your brain functions and, you know, how your immune system functions and how your body reacts to the environment. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes sense. And I have just told my pod fam recently that I had to go on antibiotics. And so I am so invested in my gut health. It's been such a journey trying to get my, you know, my gut where I needed it and wanted it to be. And I've really come to equilibrium and even harmony, dare I say, over the past couple of years. And then I had to go on antibiotics. So I'm sort of freaking myself out that I've just like destroyed all of my healthy gut bacteria through this one round of antibiotics that I had to take, Alicia. Am I like, what's the verdict? Can, is there, is there a way out of this hole for me? <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, unfortunately we can't control everything that we come into contact with what, you know, sometimes we do have to take antibiotics. Sometimes we do need medications or there's toxins and pathogens that we come into contact with. You know, you can't resist all of those things. The goal is to really build resiliency and strength. And so sometimes some things can knock you back down, but you just got to like rebuild that system back up. You know, sometimes this is where a probiotic could be a good use, not, not necessarily for everybody, but this could be a time when that could be helpful. Um, or even getting probiotics from your food, your environment is a really big piece of that. Like your environment and the food you eat is what creates that diversity in your gut. So being in touch with nature, getting some sunshine, um, eating really good nutrient immune boosting foods. You know, there, there's a lot you can do to, to rebuild that, that strength and resiliency. Let's talk about that. I'd like to dive into that just a moment. A, a few of the lifestyle habits that help support a healthy gut, because I know you've just surprised a few people. It's not just probiotics. Like, you know, you turn on the, the TV and you think if you need to help your gut or support it in any way, it's definitely the, this pri probiotic from the corner store. And there's such a 360 degree approach to a healthy gut. I would love your perspective on what some of those habits entail. And I know you touched on them, but can you, can you deep dive into that with us? Yeah, totally. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying like a probiotic is often one of the last things that I'll bring in, you know, when we're looking at the body as a whole, it's never just one thing, right? It's never just your diet. That's going to make you healthy. It's never just your lifestyle. Like it's, it's everything it's diet, it's lifestyle, it's toxicity, it's pathogens, it's trauma and the unconscious mind, like all of these things impact. Cause like I said, the gut touches 
you know, influences every other touch point in your body. And so they're all connected. It's not just like everything's in a vacuum, right? There's this interconnected web of information happening in the body. And so one of my philosophies when it comes to healing the body is that the more simple we can make it, the more effective it becomes. And so when we can start with like those really simple things uh, that you do on a daily basis, they are tremendously effective. Things like getting outside, getting in touch with your environment, like literally having physical contact with the earth, like you're absorbing those nutrients and those microbes from the soil. Those help create diversity in the gut. Vitamin D that can help support your immune system, just getting some natural suns some sunshine, you know, with direct sun to skin contact, getting a full night of sleep. I mean, we live in like hustle culture, right? Where <laughs> you can sleep when you're dead. It's, it's not true. Like that was one of those things that I used to jeopardize that is just a non-negotiable for me. And it's one of those things I tell all my clients, sleep is a huge priority. It's how your brain detoxes. It's when your body actually redoes the repair work. When you're sleeping is when your body is rebuilding and eliminating the things that it doesn't need. So prioritizing that sleep is is one of the best things that you can do. And and with that, some daily movement. It doesn't have to be like these hardcore spin cycle classes, you know, just getting outside, moving your body, getting some fresh air. Like those are the super basic things that I see missing the most when I talk to people. You know, they're doing everything else. They're doing protocols, probiotics, the diets, exercise, but they're missing these really just foundational pieces that we were built with. We didn't evolve with all of these supplements and special diets and stuff, right? We evolved with good daily dose of sunshine, nature, and and some good sleep. And then obviously, you know, some nutrient-dense foods. Well, and that brings us to a conversation about symptom management versus root cause management and dealing with the root causes. And my personal story, Alicia, was that I was listening to every podcast and reading every blog and Googling all the things to try to manage my symptoms. Now, never mind that I was, I had just started a third business. So I was managing three businesses. I was not getting outside. I was not moving my body the way that I wanted to. I was stressed all the time and I carry all of my stress in my gut. So I think some people might carry it in their head. Some people might carry it more in their heart area. Mine is always in my gut all the time. And (laughs) I was just like completely shutting down and I'm Googling what supplement to take. So like, I am your worst nightmare. (laughs) Now, no, mind you, (laughs) this was five years ago now, I think. I mean, it's, it's been some time. Like I said, I've been on a journey and PS, I know we're both fans of Dr. Zach Bush. And I will link to both of the episodes that we did with him to support this conversation. Alicia, I'll link to those for everyone in the show notes, because this is definitely a journey and you You definitely want to deep dive into that content. But coming back out of that aside, Alicia, I, again, N equals one. I'm just one person, but I did everything you're describing as the wrong way and was trying to manage my symptoms and not paying one bit of attention to the root cause. When when you meet someone like old me, how do you peel back that onion? Like, where do you start with somebody? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would look at those things that I just mentioned as foundations first and foremost, like we got to have the foundations down first, right? Like my goal is to do as much of the work up front as naturally as possible before we dive into testing and protocols and things like that. Cause if we can resolve a bunch of this up front with just like a good night of sleep, let's do that. Right. I really always like to start with, with anybody is making sure that we've got just some basic, you know, fundamentals. You know, how are you nourishing your brain and your body? And then we can look at like, okay, 
then we can start to peel back the layers and look at like root causes like pathogens or toxicities and and start to address those in, in, in a particular order as well. I think people tolerate a lot from their gut. I think they tolerate a lot of unhealthiness from their gut and it just becomes their new normal. And maybe you can remind us, you know, what a baseline healthy gut looks like and what chronic pain should be dealt with. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. When you're just managing symptoms, like generally, like I'll use myself as an example. Um, you know, you wake up tired <laughs> and you're like, okay, it's just, you know, I'm busy. I'm working a lot. I've got a lot going on. And then you start waking up tired every day. And it's just like the slow trickle effect, right? It's, it's generally not an overnight. Oh my gosh, suddenly I'm fatigued and I don't I have no idea where this came from. Usually it's been happening for months. And for most people, it's been happening for years until suddenly you're just like, how did I get here? <laughs> like what, what happened? And, and it, those become your new normal because it's just like usually slowly over time. And, you know, something like fatigue is one of the most common ones that people come to me for when they're just like, okay, I can't get out of bed. This can't be normal. I can't keep up with my family or my kids or my business. Like what, what is going on? And so when we're just like managing those symptoms, they, they become our new normal. And we, we don't really suspect that that's actually not, even though it's common, common that it's, that it's actually not normal. So often I see like, it's that chronic pain, those hip and knee and back joint, um, you know, pain issues where you're just like, Oh, I'm just getting older, or it's just wear and tear, or this is just the consequences of my younger life. And, and this, of course, we're supposed to grow old and fall apart. Right. And, I just want you to challenge that. Like, are we really meant to grow old and fall apart? Are we supposed to live in pain? Are we supposed to, to deteriorate? And, and I would say, no, we're not. Those are narratives that I would encourage people to, to question. Like your body is naturally designed to be self-repairing. It's designed to, to be healthy and carry you into, um, into old age. We just got to keep building that resiliency. Yeah, I reject that version of reality and replace it fully with my own. I have no intention of <laughs> accepting defeat <laughs> um, until kind of the lights are out, if you will. But talk to me then about what does a healthy functioning gut feel like to somebody? Because I'm telling you, Alicia, people get really out of touch with what life can feel like because they get used to their new normal. So can you just describe when you know someone's in a good place? Is there is there a simple way to explain that? Yeah. So you're having good, healthy bowel movements, you know, one to three times a day. I would say if you're having good, well-formed stools, that's a really good sign that you don't have undigested food in your stools, that they're not, sorry, I hope this isn't too graphic, but they're not greasy or floating. Those would be signs of, of malabsorption. Um, that when you eat, your gut isn't like, you're not bloated right? That you're not hangry. You're able to sustain good energy and, and have good blood sugar balance throughout the day, that you're mentally clear, that you're sleeping good at night, and that you you genuinely feel happy. You know, those are just some really good, simple ways to know, is my gut needing some attention. And one more would be would be to look at your skin. If you're having like some rashes or some weird bumps and and things like that, that's an indication that to look at your gut. So if you know you don't have to have like the most perfect skin in the world, but like your skin is very much a reflection of what's going on inside. 
Okay. And then what are some conditions that people that you see people having, and they don't even realize that this is something that should be looked into? I mean, I'm going to assume it's the antithesis of some of the things that you just shared, like they're either constipated or they're having too frequent bowels. But what are some other issues you see regularly that people are just getting used to? I, you know, the body pain is, is one of them for sure. That's so interesting. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but you're saying the aches and pains all over your body are tied to your gut health. Can you expand on that? Yeah. Well, so those aches and pains are inflammation, right? Most of them are inflammation or some of them are just some, some deterioration. When we're looking at like inflammation, I would look at the immune system, right? Because the immune system is going to create inflammation because inflammation is just one of the ways that your body helps heal and protect itself. So when you look at something like a cut finger, if you cut your finger, it turns red and it swells, right? And that's like inflammation. That's like acute when your body's like sending its little armies to that site to heal it. But when it becomes prolonged over a long, you know, when it's consistent over a prolonged period of time, so then we get that chronic inflammation. And so it originally started as a protection me- mechanism, a self-repairing, self-healing mechanism that just was con- constantly turned on. And so what is turning on the immune system? Why is it so pissed off? Why is it always turned on? And so things we would look at are like food sensitivities, pathogens, toxicities, things that that stem from the gut. And so what you have in your gut is this is this gut wall barrier, right? And it's very thin. It's what protects, you know, everything that's in your gut from the rest of your body. And so what happens in the gut should be staying in the gut. But when we have that gut damage, things can leak out into the bloodstream. And when things that aren't otherwise supposed to be there, that tells the immune system to flare, to turn on, to go and and address those issues, right? And so, like we just mentioned, one of the ways that it addresses those issues is with inflammation. Yeah, I know. I have a little bit of inflammation in like two of my knuckles. So in one of my hands. And I know when I'm eating poorly and over caffeinating, my hand actually gets quite stiff and a little bit swollen, which A, means I'm over 45 and B... means that I'm not taking care of my gut health and my overall health as well as I should be. So it's like this tiny, tiny little indication for me. It's like this little yellow flag for me to pay attention and it never fails me. I think that the more curious we get about the signs that our bodies are showing us, the more we can learn. So it doesn't freak me out. To me, it's like a good reminder. And so I think obviously when you have a breakout on your skin or your skin is trying to tell you something, I think it's worth trying to listen and trying to play scientist and figure out, you know, get curious, I suppose is what I'm trying to say about what the root cause could be. Yeah. I love that you said that too, that those are the red flags and that's, that's it. Exactly. It's not like, okay, now I have this inflammation in my hand and I've got to go take a ibuprofen. It's actually a wake up call. It's a sign that your body's like, Hey, something you're doing isn't right. Pay attention. And these are the, the like low grade ones, right? It's when they, we ignore them over a long period of time. Then we're like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong. And then we're like searching for answers and help. But it's those wake up calls that we should pay attention to because the body is always speaking to you. And if that's just one way it's saying like, Hey, I need your help or that didn't work so well for me. 
I, I'll be honest with you. It's one of the reasons I hate taking ibuprofen of any sort or even a Tylenol or anything like that. And almost never do is because it masks the symptom. And I actually really want to know what the symptom is trying to tell me. Yeah. So I consider it a message and I don't want to mask the message. Now that said, my pod fam knows that I recently just had a head injury that resulted in a facial injury, which caused all sorts of stuff. So I had to take an antibiotic. I had to take ibuprofen. I had to take more drugs than I've taken in the past five years in a three week period. And so I'm a little, like I said, I'm a little bit concerned about making sure my gut is restored back to perfect health and harmony. So Alicia, not just for me, but for everybody, I really want to get into some brass tacks and like really specific applicable things that people can do to kick that off though. I have one question for you. And again, this is very selfish. This entire podcast is just for my own edification, just to be clear. I have come such a long way with my gut where I was like, I would go in this vicious cycle and and I'm sharing this because I think that people can relate to this where once I figured out the correlation, then I just was like freaking out that I had to get my gut healthy and then trying to find all the silver bullets to make that happen. And then it doesn't fix it. So it creates this vicious cycle. And like, I did all of that for like two years, you know, and, and you go between like trying to figure out what supplement to take to, you know, what tests should you take and what's your diagnosis. And as it turns out, like, I just need to take a step way, way back, chill out, fix my life. And then, (laughs) then like really get sorted in so many different areas and just calm my entire environment down and then take a look at a few tiny tweaks. So that's my journey in a nutshell. What I mean to say is I kind of cleared the decks of all the lifestyle stress, not all, but a ton of the stress, a ton of the noise, a ton of the things that weren't working well, Alicia. And then it turns out there were only a few tweaks that I needed to actually legitimately fix my gut. Does that make sense to you? Am I explaining that right? Yeah, totally. It's those foundational pieces. Yeah. And there are some foods that my body reacts to just like anyone listening and joining our conversation today. There Mm -hmm. are some foods where I know if I eat them, I'm going to bloat. So here's my very specific question. I just went on that whole journey with you just to ask you this one question. (laughs) I know if I eat cauliflower, for example, I am 100% guaranteed to bloat because I ate cauliflower. So my question to you is I like cauliflower and I want to keep it in my diet. Am I doing harm? to keep that in my diet because bloating is a sign of inflammation or what? Like, tell me, tell me how to think about that. I would say that the bloating is a sign that your body's not responding well to cauliflower and that there's probably some, some work that needs to be addressed. Um, you know, what that is specifically, it'd be hard to say just from like a reaction to cauliflower, right? Perhaps enzymes in your body that are used to digest those, those foods are, being degraded by toxins like glyphosate, for example, or that perhaps um, just working on some basic things like sitting down and chewing your food and not being distracted while you're eating, because eating is a parasympathetic state. We need to be in this, you know, rest and digest mode rather than in sympathetic where we're scrolling the gram and, you know, working on our computers, which, you know, I've been guilty of too, but (laughs) are you using um, mindful eating practices? What else are you eating with the cauliflower? Is it really the cauliflower? Could it be something else that you're eating with it? And is there anything that is affecting your ability to break that food down? Yeah. I mean, of course you're not going to have an answer without any data. So really the spirit of my question is if there are some things that we do have a response to, should we not eat them? 
I would say if your body is telling you it's not liking it, it'd probably be a good idea to minimize it at, at best or or eliminate it until you know why your body's having that response. Because what causes bloating? Like I actually spoke to that incorrectly. That's not inflammation. The, the, those are two totally different things. What causes right. bloating, Alicia? If a food is not properly broken down, it'll it'll create a gas, you know, so it'll faster. Um, and then those gases create, you know, the bloating in your stomach. So it could just be a lack of enzymes. It could be that um, motility is, is slow. Like maybe foods just aren't moving through the digestive system appropriately. Maybe they're not getting broken down further upstream. Um, like in the stomach, if you don't have enough hydrochloric acid, for example, and then eventually those foods move down undigested, which creates more upset in places where they're supposed to be digested. So, you know, I really, when you're looking at the digestive system, it's a North to South process. So North, how are you chewing your food? And then further down, is it being fully digested in the stomach? And then, and then is it reaching the next phase of digestion in the form that it's supposed to? And when it doesn't, you know, the things that are ending up where they're not supposed to in that form, you know, it's harder for the body to digest, absorb and break down. And so that's where we can see things like bloating or gas. It sounds like maybe I need to lay off the cauliflower. (laughs) (laughs) Some of these foods too, like, um, you know, produce gases on their own. And so in large quantities, it could be kind of damaging in smaller quantities. I think that, you know, depending on, on the health of your gut, they'd probably be okay. Yeah. I don't know anything about small quantities. So really <laughs> okay. You said one word that I want to pick back up before we get into our very specific tips. And that was glyphosates. Can you tell us what they are and why we should care? Um, so glyphosate is the notorious pesticide created by Monsanto. Really, when we look at some gut dis- gut dysfunctions like IBS, IBD, you know, those things didn't really exist until glyphosate came into the picture. And it's sprayed on nearly everything to grow an abundance of food. And unfortunately, you know, this, this glyphosate is really damaging to our gut. Um, it breaks down enzymes in our gut, breaks down bacteria in our gut. And it's um, one of the main environmental poisons I see causing poor gut health. Yeah. And unfortunately, this isn't just factory farming. This is what we are now using in our own personal backyards. So it's everywhere. It's prolific. I think I was pronouncing it incorrectly. So thank you for that, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. And as it's coming out of its patent too, like, you know, we're going to see, we're seeing more lawsuits against Monsanto for the health effects that, you know, things that they knew were happening that, that weren't disclaimed, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And it just, it really like disrupts our ability to break down food. And so one of the things that I look at too is like, is it gluten or is it glyphosate? Like uh, food sensitivities, gluten is one of the main ones that people are like, do I need to eliminate it? And so when we're looking at it, like, is it the gluten or is it the glyphosate? Is it the gluten that, that your body's reacting to? Or is it the chemicals that are sprayed on there? And there there's just so many connections between toxicity of glyphosate and poor gut function and poor immune function. Well, and I know we'll only scratch the surface of that today. So I will link to an article with more information about that, Alicia. And let's now talk about the so what to do about it. And we have touched on several things and I'm going to tee some of them back up for you. And then I'd like you to add to it, please. But you said, get outside, get some sun on your skin and like, 
get dirty. Tell me about that. Why should we get in the dirt? Why should we play in the sand or, you know, come into contact with the actual earth? So the diversity of the microbes that we get in our body is from our contact with our environment and the food. It's not from probiotics. You know, the earth has bacteria, there's fungi, there's all of the stuff that like we actually have natural inhabitors of our, in our body. And it's that connection with earth that helps rebuild our immune system, right? And so when we're looking at, for example, you know, when you look at kids who are playing in the dirt, and getting, you know, dirty and playing in the sand and stuff, they have a more robust immune system when they're, you know, come into contact with seasonal flus or, or other things that are going around the playground towards kids who are, who are born in a sterile environment, you know, they're not exposed to those microbes that are in the earth or that are in the, in the air, in the soil. And it's actually weakens the immune system. And so as adults, would you suggest that we just get outside, that we take our shoes off, that we smell the flowers? Like, what does that look like as an adult? Oh, yeah. If you could take your shoes off and stand in the earth. I mean, if you think about it, people will go years without ever having direct contact with the earth. I mean, we get up or we put on our shoes. We have our rubber soled shoes. We get in our cars. We live in our air conditioned, you know, um, offices and homes and, and never have that contact. So like as much as you could take your shoes off and stand in the soil when you're on your walk, maybe just like brush your hand against some branches or touch the bark of a tree. Um, but as much as like direct skin to earth contact, you can get the better. And, and the more frequently you can do, do, do the better. I always recommend to get at least 15 to 20 minutes outside direct sunlight and or skin to earth contact. Yeah, it's no coincidence, right, that we feel amazing when we come back from a week holiday where we spent time outside, we ate some fresh fruit, maybe, you know, we we stood in the sand and we think it's all just because we were on holiday. And I would argue that it's because we were outside and we were immersed in the environment and we obviously were hopefully a little bit more relaxed. And I know a lot of people, you know, they sort of almost indulge more in the food or drink sense when they're on vacation, but they still come back feeling like a million dollars. And I think there might be a reason. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, it's uh, de-stressing, right? It's actually having fun and relaxing that, you know, we're looking at that trauma in the unconscious mind, your connection with the earth. And the, one of the things that you get from the earth is called negative ions. And it's actually not just like the microbial experience, <laughs> you know, it's actually, it's balancing the electrical charge in your body. And, you know, we have so many positive ions when we have are attached to our electronics, when we're around EMFs, computers, screens, our phones. And when we can get back into nature, we get part of that, those negative ions can help rebalance our body and that can help rebalance those feelings that you have of happiness, of content, of just feeling calm. It's, it's a really amazing phenomenon from nature. Well, tell us why probiotics aren't the panacea that we have been led to believe that they are. When we're looking at probiotics, you know, it's because it's giving us a dose of bacteria, right? And so why is that bacteria important? What is the purpose of the bacteria in our body and in our gut? Well, one of the main purposes of bacteria is to degrade poisons, poisons being things like pesticides, like glyphosate, poisons being produced by things like parasites or other, you know, pathogenic um, bacteria, mold, whatever. One of the purposes is to degrade these poisons in the gut. And so 
if they're, if they're there to degrade poisons, maybe some of the first steps we should do is actually remove some of the poisons from, from our environment, whether that's cleaning up our cleaning products at home, what we're, you know, what kind of foods we're putting into our body, the air, things like that, because its role is to, is to degrade these poisons. And so one of the first things I would do is just to start eliminating and removing some of the poisons that you're putting into your body first. And one of the reasons why I see people not handle probiotics well in the beginning is because they are, they're just not ready for that level of detoxification yet. Oh, interesting. Sometimes people take probiotics and they're like, oh, everything feels better. It feels amazing. And it's like, oh, maybe it's just like your body was ready for that level of detoxification where somebody else will take it and they're like, oh, I like broke out. I had these like fatigue. I had like crazy bowel movements. Often there's a lot of steps I will do before I'll bring in a probiotic. Interesting. Okay. Now two quick questions. If one is on probiotics, Uh, Dr. Bush told us to rotate, like not to take the same probiotic every day, even if you land on one that works for you, because that is not promoting the diversity. Is that something that you agree with? Yes, I do. I definitely want to rotate it. You definitely don't want it to get used to it. And and again, why are you taking a probiotic? Are you working on degrading poisons or, you know, are you like most people think it's there to create diversity. Oh, I just need more diversity in my gut. But the the main role is to degrade these poisons. And so I would use it in a protocol, but I, it's not something I would recommend for a day-to-day life. Okay. Super specific question. And somebody yeah. asked this and I didn't know the answer. If a probiotic is not refrigerated, is it any good? It depends on the probiotic, but yes, absolutely. So you have some that are live and, and some that are... Um, soil-based organisms. So not, not all probiotics need to be refrigerated. Okay. What other tips do you have for us? Super specific stuff. If we are trying to maintain, sustain, or nurture gut health. One of the things that I recommend is the, the quickest way to improve and to sustain your health is to change what you put in your mouth. But one of the things that I am a a strong believer in is animal-based nutrition. Um, the reason why is because, because what we get from these animal foods is a quality protein. And a quality protein is is a protein that has all of the essential amino acids. They're bioavailable for our bodies. They're easy to digest. They're easy to absorb and they're easy to utilize. And these proteins are really critical for nearly every function in the body. In fact, you know, meat is one of the most important healing foods because it's one of the most supportive foods for our immune system. It's important for our immune system, for it's the building blocks of our hormones, our circulatory system, our metabolism, tissue and muscle repair. I recommend that adding just some good quality protein in your diet is such an is such a phenomenal way to give your body the nutrients it needs to do the natural self-repairing that it's designed to. Alicia, you're killing me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Was that too much on the (laughs) the nutrition? (laughs) Not even, not even remotely. Most people will be very, very happy. I don't think anyone has ever come on the show and said that meat is, is an important part of gut health, at least not that explicitly. I mean, I'm just here to make my own life as difficult as possible. Apparently that's my goal in life (laughs) because I just don't like meat. So I'm not, I, you know, this about me already, but I'm not a card carrying vegan. I don't wave a vegetarian flag. Like if a little bacon slips into my muscles, cause I love muscles, love me some shellfish. If that happens, you know, I make it feel welcome. I I'm not a card carrying anything. I just don't like me. And frankly, my body doesn't 
ask for me, like literally ever. So when you're talking to somebody who's not a huge fan, first of all, all the meat lovers out there are celebrating you right now. But what do you say to (laughs) someone like me who wants optimal health? I want to live a long time. I want to live with vitality and darn it. I just don't love meat. Well, you can get quality proteins. So from animal food sources, so that could include fish, shellfish, you know, things like that. It doesn't have to be red meat. Although I do find that red meat has more, is more nutritionally superior, but it doesn't mean that that has to be your only option. And so when I find that somebody is like what you're just saying, like my body just rejects me, I'm just not feeling it. It don't digest it well, like, ugh. and it definitely happens. One thing I would do is, okay, well, you know, one, is this like an emotional environmental thing? Two, is this something going on in your gut? Because humans are naturally designed to digest and absorb animal foods. Like that's how we evolved. We're designed with the digestive enzymes to process that food. And so whenever somebody's like, I have a hard time digesting those foods, I would look at, is there something going on in the body or in the gut? Like, how is your hydrochloric acid? Usually somebody's like, oh, it just like doesn't sit well. I want to look at like, okay, well, what about what's going on in the body? Why your body isn't producing these things? And maybe sometimes it's just a general, general distaste. And that's totally fine too. There's some other ways that we can get good quality protein doesn't have to be red meat specifically, but those animal foods are, you know, they're providing nutrition that we can't get from plant foods. Yeah. Like I have to go out of my way to find B12 sources because as, as you know, B12 is prevalent in meats and it's not prevalent in a plant-based diet. So I add nutritional yeast to some of my food so that I can have B12 and I take a B12 supplement as well, but that's just one example. Other people might have low iron. I am not one of them. I think that when you do what I do and you opt out of a whole entire category, you have to be super hyper aware of what you are therefore omitting by default and be super conscious about that because that can be a missing link sometimes. We think there's something wrong with us and the truth is we're just not getting the nutrient profile that we need. Um, But that said, and I'm hesitant to even ask you this question, (laughs) but are there supplements or foods or anything that you love to see someone consume in a week? Yeah. Foods, I would definitely say get in some, some animal foods, whether you're eat eggs and I'll preface this by two by saying, you know, like I was plant-based my whole life. This oh, was wow. not, yeah, this is, this was how on my healing journey, I discovered this. Like, so this so is you not, were I, card carrying, like you had a flag. You were like, I am plant-based. <laughs> oh, it was super plant-based. I was doing like the 15 ingredient smoothies. I was whole grains. I cut out red meat. I went vegan briefly. That didn't last very long. Um, I did no dairy. I mean, like I'm telling you, I've tried like it, I've tried it all out there. You know, what I, what I found was that challenging what I believe to be true about health and nutrition is what really helped me find the answers that I was looking for. And what I learned was that there's no evidence or or good science to support that plant-based is healthier for an individual. And I'm not saying by any means that you should not be plant-based. I'm just saying, if you're not feeling great, if you feel great going plant-based and that's working for you, do it. Like if you found something that works for you, awesome. If you're not feeling great on that, I want you to know that just challenge what you believe to be true. Because what I did was I just kept doing it harder. I just kept thinking, oh, it's me. I'm not doing it right. I need more plants. I need more superfoods. I need more like spirulina. Bee pollen. Bee pollen yeah. will solve everything. <laughs> I, I can't even tell you how many things I would put in my smoothie. And <laughs> I'll tell you like now eating is just so 
simple. And that's what I love about it is I don't have to think about it. It's so simple. I'm satisfied. It's easy. It's delicious. Um, and so I would say at the very least, if you're, if you are super plant-based, I would add in some eggs. If you don't eat eggs, add in something else. Like just the one thing I, t- I start my clients on is to nail their first meal of the day. And that's by priority, prioritizing protein, prioritizing protein and the rest of your day can fall into place. But if you just set yourself up with that first domino, it's amazing how the rest of your day falls into place, your blood sugar, your hormones, your sleep, like it's all connected. And just starting with that first meal and prioritizing some good quality protein is a really great way to go, whether that's eggs, whether that's fish, whether that's steak, whatever it is. Another good recommendation I would say is to check your water source. Um, like I said, toxicity is a really big, big issue that I see for, for root causes, you know, pathogenic infections and toxicity. And we get a lot of toxins from our water and there's some pathogens that can come from there too. And so check your water source. You could test your water, but I would honestly just recommend to cut straight to it and go for distilled. And I know that's something that some people will question and be like, well, what about the minerals? What about the, (laughs) this? And it's, what I'm not concerned about is the the lack of minerals. What I'm concerned about is, is removing the toxicities. Interesting. So you're recommending distilled water multiple times a day for folks? I would replace water with distilled water. Wow. I've heard such mixed things about that. That is so interesting. I personally have a Berkey filter, which like you could pour lake water into and it would come out nice and clean and clear. Um, and that's really the only effort that I make. I won't drink any other water in my house though, but I have heard very mixed things about distilled water. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the things that you things that are going to make the biggest difference are the things that you do every single day what you put in your mouth, what you're drinking. The way that distilled water works is that it removes the water from the sources. Whereas like in a filter, it'll try and filter out the pathogens or metals from it. But when you do distilled, it removes the water from the sources instead. What do you mean it removes the water from the sources? What does that mean? Um, So I'm sorry, maybe sources isn't the right word um, from the toxicities. So when you're doing filtration, you're removing the toxicities from the water. When you're doing distillation, you're removing the water from the toxicities. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. 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 Interesting. I I love getting your perspective and always, Alicia, you know this because you've listened to the show before, but what I want to do is start a conversation so that people get curious to figure out what works for them. What works for me is not going to work for you. What works for Alicia is not going to work for you. And maybe there's some overlap and that's a happy coincidence. But at the end of the day, I want everyone to get curious, to start looking into these areas of their life to figure out what special combination will work for them. So thank you for that. I'm going to link to another article. So, so far we're going to link to an article (laughs) about Monsanto. We're going to link and pesticides and their effect on the gut. I'm also going to link to an article about distilled water. And I'm also going to link to your gut health starter guide. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I am going to include (laughs) that link for everyone. But am I leaving anything off the table, Alicia? Is there anything else that comprises a really good, well-balanced week for you? I just work on getting three to five non-negotiables. That, that's what I call me. These are the things that I have learned make me feel happy, happy, whole and complete. And you know that they're non-negotiables for you because when they're missing from your life, you feel it. Like for me, one of my non-negotiables is I make sure I get a good night of sleep. And when I don't get a good night of sleep, oh, I feel it. Same. <laughs> right. And so that, that's one of them or nailing my, my first meal of the day. Like my whole day doesn't have to be perfect. 
Um, and I spend 20 minutes outside. So those are just like the really, really basic things. Alicia, this is a great start. It's so nice for me to talk about a purely health topic again. It's been a minute. So thank you so much for coming on the air to talk to us about really the root of everything, if you ask me, which is a healthy gut, happy gut, happy life. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm going to share your healthy belly tips with everyone in the show notes and tell us your favorite place for us to find you. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at The Healthy Belly Fix. Alicia, thank you. I'll see you out there. Thank you. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at On Air with Ella or open the show notes for this episode and get all the links at onairella.com. There's no whip. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are, quite simply, awesome.